Buccaneers fans, Black Friday starts now at Build Curry Ford. Get an Amazon gift card up to $1,000 with every new vehicle purchase or lease at Build Curry Ford. Tampa's first family of Ford, a mile north of Raymond James Stadium. BillCurryFord.com is the website. See all the tremendous offers right there. BillCurryFord.com. Proud presenters of the Scuttlebucks and the Ira Kaufman podcast at JoeBucksFan.com. Broadcasting from the ESPN Tallahassee Studios in Florida's capital city and in partnership with the JoeBucksFan.com podcasting network, this is the Scuttlebucks on 97.9 ESPN Radio. The Scuttlebucks with Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang is presented by Bill Curry Ford, Tampa's hometown Ford dealer for nearly 60 years and home of the nationwide lifetime warranty for new and pre-owned vehicles. BillCurryFord.com. Here's ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. Welcome in, Scuttlebucks. Good to be with you. Jeff Cameron alongside Tom Lang. Not a fun uh, frolic through uh, a game just played and a projection of one about to be because the Bucks come off a devastating defeat. Oh, might it not be? Might it just be one of those nights? I don't know. Certainly didn't feel good while it was happening, right? We got, all got geared up, all of us. Tampa couldn't wait. The nation couldn't wait. Here we go. Rematch, revenge, the whole deal. Bucks, Saints, division on the line. First place, anyhow. And this thing is over in a hurry. The Bucks had run 14 offensive plays, and it was 28 to nothing Saints. I'll let you know where we're at at that point of the football game, and really at any point in the football game. It was over in a hurry. Everything from the intensity level, Tom, to the execution really seemed suspect right from the jump, and the Saints were locked in, took advantage of the Bucks' defensive game plan. Um, I can't fathom how you how you run on as much zone as we did in this game we'll talk about it but uh then you look at uh, the bucks on offense and it you know you warned of this i'll give you credit you warned of this before it happened we both had grave concerns about antonio brown joining the team i tended to focus on and certainly you noted it as well the the problems i have with it being sort of a bridge too far a bad bad guy uh, really there's no need for it the offense was beginning to click and i didn't really see the cause for it, but you you rightfully pointed out in addition to that that, man, you're going to have to find a way to fit him in, and that changes everybody else's role in terms of targets and where they line up and what we're trying to do, and certainly they've always sort of been searching for an identity. It The, the confluence of those events, all these things led to a team to look to be searching and in total disarray on offense in this game. Uh, the Saints are already a problem matchup because their best corner shuts down our best receiver every single time they play. But it, it was, in addition to that, problematic on a lot of levels. Well, that's why you're supposed to have three best receivers, right? That's the whole point of the Antonio Brown move. Listen, you know, it's an echo chamber this week. The national media, if you haven't figured out by now, Bucks fans, the national media is about seven to ten days behind where you are because you cover this. 
Uh, as a fan, you go to JoeBucksFan.com. You go to all your local sources, and you listen, and you consume, and you know about the Bucks. You watch every play. Right. So they're always going to be behind. I see ESPN this week and NFL Network saying, whoa, might there be too many cooks in the kitchen? Mm. Well, we talked about that last week. Yeah, we did. So let's advance the discussion. Monday is a bad week, bad six days for this football team. On Monday, they projected what they were going to do with Antonio Brown. Who the hell is Jaden Mickens? Who right, is he? Right. And quickly aside, stop returning kicks with Jaden Mickens. Can we? The twenty-five is fine. Yeah. The twenty-five yard line is fine. Stop this nonsense. Anyway. Yeah. Eight targets last Monday. Yeah. That tells you offense is going to change. Yeah, they're trying to work on something. It's going to change, and yes. Godwin wasn't available for that game. You've got a mess on your hands, and you're trying to sort through it. This is a reset of the offense, period, end of sentence. Until or unless Antonio Brown screws up again and gets kicked off the team, you're going to have to put all these pieces together. My concern is twofold. Number one, the offense looks like that. Brady looks confused. But then secondly, I don't want to see camps here. You don't need camps you don't need the division. You don't need Brown being perceived as Brady's guy by Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. You don't need that offense to be the the new guard with Brady and Gronk and Brown and then the old guard with Godwin and Evans and Brait. You don't need any of that. My hope is that's not what's developing. I think it's just a mess when you're talking about the schematics of what you're trying to do. Yeah, I don't know if that's a problem in the locker room in terms of inviting that guy in. I didn't like it on a lot of levels, partly, again, because of what a terrible human being Antonio Brown is. Also, I don't like to listen to our head coach pretend as if we're all dumbasses and act as if it was his idea and that Brady had nothing to do with it and all this other nonsense. Don't do that. Don't don't insult our intelligence. That's ridiculous. Now my man plays checkers at this point yeah, in his life. You, you were, uh, once again, undermined and usurped by Tom Brady, who's the de facto head coach. Got it. But also what's troubling for me about this game is it continued to trend on the other side of the ball, Tom, and this is really where yep. I'm getting nervous. Mm -hmm. And Todd Bowles did not have a great night. And I like Todd Bowles. If you've listened to this podcast, you know that I do, but I'm beginning to get concerned because the league has tape and they adjust as well. The Bucks are no longer getting home. They're not putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. They're missing Vita Vita bad. What you're now seeing is teams decide, we can run on the Bucks. We believe we can run on the Bucks, And we're going to run with conviction uh, because, A, we're going to be allowed to do so because you're not going to get out to a big lead because we start slow. And, B, uh, you don't have the depth or the requisite dominance in the middle. And the Giants went with a two-tie end set and ran right at us. The Saints decided, oh, well, that works. I wonder if they've made any adjustments. And they did it, too. This is back-to-back -back weeks with over 100 yards rushing against the Bucks defense. Hadn't happened in the previous 13 games. That wasn't the reason the Bucks lost, but it is a problematic trend. You go into zone, and you've got a situation where you've got some corners that are better in man. Uh, you, you know, it is curious. They're also isolating Devin White. So, in the past game, I, I, I wonder uh, if we're going to see this continue to mount. I really don't like this matchup this week. Carolina's beginning to believe in themselves. They played hard from day one. Matt Rule's a good coach. He's got a good coordinator, obviously, uh, with what they did bringing him in from LSU. You're, you're seeing them play with some grit and some toughness and, moreover, some belief. They gave the Bucks a hard time last time. They wouldn't go away. They rose up. I think they're starting to feel frisky, and I'm not sure the Bucks feel confident. And this all adds up to if you get off to another slow start, I think you got a problem on your hands this weekend. 
I think if they play like crap this weekend, then you do have problems in the locker room. But I don't suspect that they're going to play like crap this weekend. I think that's going to be a team with their hair on fire. I think they're going to play hard, and it's very, very beneficial to the Bucks that Christian McCaffrey's not available in this game, not just because he's one of the best players in the league, but between the tackles, I'm not scared of him. It's in it's in coverage. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're worried about Devin White or Levante David in coverage and more about Devin White specifically, yeah, yes. Well, I would think that Joe Brady would isolate Christian McCaffrey on Devin White, and we'd have a real well, problem he does it on against, our hands. He does it against everybody, yeah. Sure. Mass, mismatch. But you bring the best in the game of that particular out of the backfield against your guy who is feeling it a little bit, and he's he might be doubting himself a little bit. They could isolate that and go to town on it. But if it's Mike Davis, it's a little bit more straight ahead. It's right in front of you. I think they're going to come out and play well this weekend. The weird thing to me, they look tired on Sunday. Now, how's that possible if uh, you lay an egg the previous Monday night? But didn't they look tired to you? Yeah, listless. I mean, flat, tired, listless, flat, unenergetic. I don't. However, you want to say it. I tired. I guess I don't know. I think they. I don't think they trusted what was about to happen. I don't know that they, it was a team real confident in what they were doing going into that football game, and then it got exploited early, and their worst fears became realized. And you know, obviously things snowball. I mean, when you're when you're three and out as frequently as the Bucks were, and then the Saints offense is humming, you know, you get down three scores against that team. The game is over. Yeah, the funny thing was I, I thought first quarter, I was like, all right, we're throwing on first down, good. And the second down runs look good. I was like, yeah. okay. okay. Now one of them got called back for a hold, but yeah. was, okay. You miss Ali Marpet dearly. Well, that's a big thing. He's playing at a Pro Bowl level, was you know, Pro Bowler to be for sure, and that absolutely was stunning, his absence. I mean, you you look at what that line became without him, and you realize, my God, you're one player away from being a mess up there. Well, and how much does uh, Ali Marpet help mask Donovan Smith is my question. Uh, you look at the pad level, though, from the offensive line when they try to even get it going early on. I mean, Donovan's getting blown up. People are at his waist, and he's not even trying to bend. No. It, they just look tired, and I – if they were awesome on Monday night against the Giants and they beat them the way that they're supposed to, and it was a 28-30 a to 30 point win the way the Bucks should beat the Giants if both of them are equally motivated and not experimenting with things on the fly, then he could almost forgive them looking a little bit lax. But we thought the reason that they looked like crap that Monday night was because they were going to come out. And, and yes, and they were preparing for the Saints. I mean, look, they were installing on the fly on offense. Like, there's more of a reason. There's more of a tangible reason to understand why the offense looks a little disjointed. The defense is the question moving forward. I, I do think, though, that Todd Bowles is going to learn his lesson again, which is we're not playing back. This is not who these guys are. We're going to no, attack. you got to play aggressive, and if you give up some big plays in doing so, then so be it. It's who you are. It Really, if you think about what the Bucks were prior to these last two games, by every statistical measure, they were one of the best two to three defenses in the league. Uh, you look at the sack numbers, you look at tackles for loss, you look at the uh, infrequency with which they gave up or were gashed in the run game, you look at the number of interceptions, you look at what they've been able to produce really in every facet of a, of a very modern game where offense is king. The Bucks were the best in the league. It's only these last couple of weeks where you've thought, huh, well, this is interesting. They're disinterested at the line of scrimmage against the run. That's a problem. But again, you wonder, you know, with the absence of Vita Vea, it starts to wear on you. That's a stud player, an immovable object, really a reason that you can dominate the run game. Now teams say, well, they're missing that. We'll go heavy, run right at them. And then you're not getting pressure on the quarterback the last two weeks. Uh, Daniel Jones picked us apart, and he's not any good. So, you know, you, you go back. Obviously, if you leave Breeze uh, a clean pocket, he's mm -hmm. going to beat you, even with that noodle arm. 
Well, and, and Bridgewater's got a stronger arm, and he'll trade the punishment. He yeah. did the first time. That's He's how tough, they almost man. mounted the comeback, yeah. was he just wouldn't take no for an answer. And th that's, I mean, if I'm looking at this week's game as an outsider, I'm saying, are the Bucks invested? You know, what's going on there? Is there something underneath the well, surface? Well, yeah, we have questions. We do. As somebody who covers them week to week, I, I expect that this offense is going to look a little bit – whatever they are doing right now, they're going to pare down and simplify because you've, you've screwed around too much. You should have lost I – mean, well, not should have, but you could have lost both games last week. You could have lost Monday, yeah. and you definitely should have, and you did get trounced on Sunday. I think this is a week in which Bruce and Byron and Tom Brady might get together and say, all right, we're trying to push too much through at, at a time. Let's stick to what we do. Let's get Godwin back involved. Let's make sure that he's up to speed coming off of the finger injury. We'll rotate A, B in. Let's try. Let, let's not try to make this a focal point so soon. It looked like they were trying to cram for an exam that was a playoff-level football game with one week of preseason to prepare yeah, for it. Yeah, it made no and, sense. And, and, and we all know offensively at the end of the day, Godwin is what this thing is about. He's what makes everything else go. I if, hope they know that. If he's right, it's it's Godwin that you need to be focused on. I mean, that guy makes everything work. Yeah, not even not just with the targets, but no, everything no. about how everything they line about, up. Yes, yeah. how he mm -hmm. plays, all of that. He affects everybody else. There, there's no doubt. So that's the hope. Those are also the concerns. Uh, we'll have to wait and see if the Bucks do meet uh, the uh, the expectation here moving forward, at least from an intensity standpoint. Uh, yeah, it looks I, so I, passive. It was just so pa – that's not who they've been. That's not who they've been at all. I wonder, you know, one other thing, and we're going to bring Lee DeKemper in here in just a moment, and uh, and we'll talk to him about, you know, what's going on there. And he's obviously listened to all the press conferences. It is a talking point right now nationwide as to what's going on between – uh, the head coach and the quarterback, and I'll bring it up to him because I don't like it. It's dumb. I mean, it, it's an act. It feels like an act to me, Tom. It feels like something that you would perpetrate as if you needed to prove to yourself as well as some of the members of the locker room that you're the guy. Well, that's also why that dude plays checkers. It, have you did any studying on why Brady left New England? It's because of stuff like that. He was tired of it. He's like, at some point, I got my bona fides, man. You got to trust me to do my job. Now, I don't necessarily trust Tom, the personnel decision maker, and I think that's going to only cause. Well, yeah, it's a different deal. It yeah. causes more problems. It causes more hurdles. Like the Bucks were so close to getting to where they wanted to go offensively. The diversity of what they did. Yep. Gronk was in the fold. Godwin was coming back, but you were making it work. You could see things open up down the field, and now you're resetting. You're starting from scratch again, and it might work out, but it is a bit of a race against time, and you're certainly. Diminishing your chances for hosting playoff games, unless you make it all the way to the Super Bowl. Bill Curry Ford General Manager Sean Sullivan is incredibly serious when it comes to his love for Bucks fans. He will help you personally seven days a week. Give him a call, or you can email him. Visit Sean inside the beautiful Bill Curry Ford showroom, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Ask for your Scuttlebucks slash Joe Bucks fan discount. Sean Sullivan will do everything in his power to make sure you have a great experience at Bill Curry Ford. That's the family service you've grown to expect from Bill Curry Ford. They've been honored by the Ford headquarters many times for their exemplary care of customers. That's Tampa's first family at Ford for the past 60 years. Get shopping today. BillCurryFord.com. Curry, Bill That's BillCurryFord.com. <laughs> Sure.
shopping for a used F-150, a car, or an SUV? Find Tampa's biggest and best used inventory at Bill Curry Ford, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and see the nationwide lifetime warranty on pre-owned vehicles. Now, here's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. Boom, there it is. The music that tells you lead a camper Joe Bucks fan. The website going to join us right now to talk about a shellacking at the hands of the New Orleans Saints and the subsequent discussion surrounding the Bucks as to where they are, both on offense and defense, where they stand amongst the league's elite. Are they even in the discussion? And how big a setback was that lopsided defeat at home with the nation watching? Uh, it was thorough. I know that. But sometimes one-offs are one-offs. Let's bring him in right now. Lita Kemper, JoeBucksFan.com, the website. Hey, Lee, how are you, brother? Jeff, what's happening, man? Yeah, I survived. I don't know about the Bucks, but I survived Sunday night. Yeah, that was – there were a lot of things wrong with that. And and it's it's interesting because, oddly, on, on, on my show during the week, we were talking this game up. We felt real good about it last week when we were doing Joe Bucks Fan uh, – or, excuse me, doing the Scuttle Bucks for uh, the Joe Bucks Fan Podcast Network. But as the week went on, I don't know why I began to feel a little bit more concerned. And some of it probably centered around – my disdain for the idea of bringing in uh, Antonio Brown and upsetting the apple cart and and kind of uh, having to, you know, w- again, we're trying to watch an offense learn on the fly and people are taking on different roles. And obviously then you, then you find out Marpet's not going to play. And uh, it just really seemed to be an avalanche of things that could lead to a problem. And then the game started and we witnessed all of this. So you've had a chance to digest it. You've certainly heard – uh, the principal players talk about it. The coaches talk about it. Your thoughts on what that represented, what that was, and where the Bucks go from here? Well, obviously the Bucks are trying to sweep everything under the rug. Uh, you know, hey, it's past. The game's passed. We, we're not even thinking about it now. It's sort of we're on to Cincinnati. It's sort of like what Belichick said right. years ago. Only you know, they're not as uh, rough as uh, as Belichick can be. Uh, you know, like Arian said, well, we have a 24-hour rule. We're already worried about Carolina. You guys have to be worried about the Saints the rest of the week. Uh, and I, there, there's some there's some truth to that, but obviously they don't want to talk about what just happened. Um, you make a great point about Antonio Brown. Now, I dismissed, you know, there's some people pointing to, hey, look at the time. Look at the timeline. The Bucks brought Antonio Brown in for workouts. And ever since then, the Bucks have been lousy in offense. I, I, you know, initially my first thought was that's overblowing it because Antonio Brown technically wasn't in the locker room before the Giants came. I mean, he wasn't part of the team. You know, he was working out on the side. He wasn't working out on the field. I don't know how people can put two and two together there. However, I remember. I think I may even told you, but my biggest issue with bringing Brown, my biggest issue was. Three years ago, Bucks had, 2016, the Bucks, you know, won nine games. They were a hot team in the offseason. They looked like they were going to do something. You know, Jameis was hot. Looked like they were going to finally turn the corner. They have all the, you know, the, they have everything they wanted. They had a defense that they played okay in 2016. At times, it played very good. 
They had the receiver. They had tight ends. They had the franchise quarterback. Then they bring in a couple of guys from the Reds that blew up the locker room. And I mean blew up the locker room. You know, I've heard some stories from, from players, what was going on behind the scenes that you know has never been published before. Those guys from the Redskins, Swaggy Baker and Deshaun Jackson, absolutely blew up that team. So I know what a couple of bad eggs can do. Maybe Brown's already doing that, but you make an excellent point. You make an excellent point, Jeff, that this offense was sort of like, you know, trying to learn on the fly. And it appeared they finally did learn on the fly, the way they played against the Packers, the way they played against the Raiders. Now, all of a sudden, you're throwing Brown in the mix just when you started getting on the right track. And I'm not saying he was distraction. I'm just saying you throw this piece of a puzzle in that may not even fit, may not even been needed, just when you start getting things right, and all of a sudden you take a couple steps back. Hopefully that's what this is. Hopefully. Uh, when I say hopefully, meaning that you know they'll have a couple of bad games, they'll get it out of the system, they'll learn how to use Brown, everything will be smooth again. I don't know if that's going to be the case. But you make an excellent point, Jeff, that this offense was learning on the fly, and it just seemed like they, they, they turned the corner, and all of a sudden, boom, you drop Brown in the middle of it. And despite what Bruce Arians says, it had everything to do with Tom Brady. Arians said it had nothing to do with Tom Brady. Come on, Bruce. It had everything to do with Tom Brady. How come the guy's living with Tom Brady? And that's a whole different thing. <laughs> Well, it's embarrassing to listen to Bruce. It's the second time this year that he's pushed back because he didn't he didn't like the perception that he uh, was acquiescing to Tom Brady, and and that has to do originally with the offense that they're going to run, and then follow that up with this most latest addition with Antonio Brown. Tom Brady has been pushing for Antonio Brown from day one, and there really was no cause to bring him in, uh, and and when. Bruce was asked about it. He resented being asked about it. It was as if he felt his authority had been usurped. So he pushes back. Also, that leads me to my next question. What the hell is going on between Bruce Arians and Tom Brady? Uh, I don't want to make it uh, a full-blown, like you look at the national media and the, and the narrative there, but it doesn't appear they like one another all that much. And moreover, Bruce Arians is routinely rolling Tom Brady in the press, and that's just stupid. I don't understand why you would do it, and I get that he's a no-nonsense coach. We've always appreciated the sort of straightforward approach to having honest dialogue about a player making a mistake or a coach making a mistake or whatever it might be. But He almost seems to go out of his way. Uh, this was a blowout loss in which the offensive line doesn't block for Tom Brady. Before the game gets out of hand, if you go back and look, I know that during the week the All-22s begin to come out and you start looking at some plays that you wondered about during the week. Mike Evans isn't open. Mike Evans is rarely open these days anyhow. I, why, why, are you, why is that the talking point from Bruce Arians rolling Brady under the bus on Monday when he knows better? I, I just don't get any of this. It seems they have an acrimonious relationship. I think what it is. And if this is the case, I don't know if brilliant is the right word, but savvy. Arians is an old school guy. Where calling out a player, that's what you do. Uh, if this shoe fits. This almost smells like a Bobby Knight routine, which is to say this is a builder of Parcells routine. If you, I don't know how much history you know about Bobby Knight and Parcells. Right. Those two guys are the best of friends. They go back to 
Army days. They were roommates at Army when they were assistant coaches. And at, in one basketball season, when Knight coached at Army, Parcells was his assistant for one year. Those, goes, those guys go back away. What Parcells did with the Giants, his antics with the players, he got that straight with Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight was doing that in the 70s with guys in Indiana. Bobby Knight would actually tell, you know, whether it be Isaiah Thomas, whether it be Steve Alford, sure. uh, whomever, he would tell his best player, I'm going to be a hard ass on you in practice and in public because I want the other, I want your teammates to know, man, if he gets on so and so, I better get off my tail and bust my rear end because if he's getting on Steve Alford. What's he thinking about me? You know, it's, it's a mind game kind of thing. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe the other part of it is that if he goes on Brady, and he apparently, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of speaking for Arians there. If he get, if he's rough on Brady and he knows that Brady can handle it, that the other players were like, you know, wow, you know, it takes heat off of me. You know, like maybe other guys don't have uh, or have a less fragile, or I should say, a more fragile of a, of an ego than Brady does. I'm, you know, hypothetically, of course, so that he he can't unload on Evans, let's say, if he needs to unload on him. But he knows he can unload on Brady. This to me just smells like a old school coaching mind game. That's what, that's what it smells to me. Now, it's not to say that Evans isn't always open. I mean, Daniel Jeremiah, excuse me, Daniel Jeremiah, you know him well, former NFL scout, he's with the NFL Network. He had all 22 tapes early in the game against the Saints. It, the score was still, still a two-score game, 14-0. Bucks had the ball in their own 18. Evans, when I say wide rear-end open, I mean like Kevin Kiermaier playing center field for the Rays. Nobody anywhere near him over the middle. So it would have been an 82 yard touchdown. Wide, wide, wide open. And Brady throws to Scotty Miller along the right sideline. Now, I can't really tell if Brady completely missed seven or if Brady was pressured enough or if he was jittery. He decided to unload it real quick uh, to the sideline to Scotty Miller, who didn't catch it, by the way. Um, I mean, Evans was like doing jumping jacks over the middle. I mean, he was. I, I, I can't remember last time I saw a guy that wide open. It's like the Saints either never saw him or there was blown coverage, something. It, it would have been an 18 yard touchdown. There's no doubt about it. And that would have been a one score game. Who knows if that would have propelled them to bigger and better things. So I, I, I know that Evans is not having a great season for his standards. Uh, I don't know that I can say that he's not always open. He is open at times. And you know what? There's a lot, and I was part of it. Uh, there's a lot of angst that, you know, why aren't you throwing Evans? Why aren't you throwing Evans? This guy's easily your best receiver. He's possibly a Hall of Fame receiver. Why are you not throwing Evans? Why, why are you forcing Brown Kowski? Then I look, well, you know, Evans, he's leading the team in receiving yardage. He's lead, leading the team in catches. He's leading the team in touchdowns, receiving touchdowns, although a bunch of them are one yard touchdowns. So, are we overblowing with that with Evans Brady non connection? I I don't know, but it sure has the sense, has the feel, has the look that Brady, for whatever reason, is not on the same page as Evans. More so than he's not not on the same page as Aaron. He's not on the same page as Evans. Well, there's a couple things here. Uh, the play that you're talking about does exist, but when you go back and look at before it's a garbage time blowout, uh, there that's the that's the lone route that he's opening. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and that is a rhythm throw, and he's freezing the safety, and he misses him. But that's the lone time. Lattimore's buried him. Lattimore's all over him. 
Yeah, Dean, you're right. Yeah, Aaron, well, he always owns him. Uh, I just, but it wasn't just that. If you look at the game plan, they weren't focusing on Evans. Meaning the Bucks mm-hmm. didn't choose to focus on Evans. I think this mm-hmm. has a lot to do with Mike Evans not being healthy. Coupled with when you're not healthy and you're not a burner, uh, then it's hard to get open, and he's not open a lot. And then they haven't had Godwin, and they've had all these problems with injuries. It makes it all the more complicated when you welcome in a new receiver to the fold in Antonio Brown, and you're going to try to work him into the offense. It's like they're experimenting. They're experimenting yeah, while trying it's to win. Like a, a preseason game. Yeah. Well, it, but that's stupid. You're trying to win a division. You're trying to go to you know get home field. Why are we? Why are we nine games into the season experimenting? I, I just. It, it, it's odd. And then the incessant knocking of Brady publicly, I, I mean, who knows? I don't know. Maybe that is part of the larger plan. I, I, too, read season on the brink. I know what you're talking about with Bob Knight and all that stuff with Bill Parcells. But I I, I'm, I am curious. Um, it, it, it's oftentimes, to me, that there's there's friction created there. Uh, you can see the frustration. Uh, I, I just I, I'm, I'm wondering where this is going to go. Real quick thought. I know you got to get out of here, but I want I want your thoughts just out of curiosity. What's your gut telling you about how the Bucks will play this week against Carolina? Mm. Hmm. It ain't good. Now, is it? It, yeah, I, I'm. I'm really, really. Uh, I. I'll just say what Peter King said. Coin flip. Uh, in the, the Brady has it now. Again, we, Brady's history is down with the Bucks. Brady's history is he when he has a really, really, really bad game, which is very few times, he comes out. Gangbusters the next week is on fire, and there has been a pattern this week that every time the Bucks lost, they would win a few games, win three games. So we'll see if that pattern holds up. The Brady's pattern holds up. But I tell you what, I I watched the Chiefs uh, Panthers game on TV Sunday. Thank you uh, NFL Sunday Ticket, and I'm telling you, Matt Rule's doing a hell of a job with Carolina. They don't have near the talent that a lot of teams have. They don't have near the talent the Chiefs have or the Bucks. But damn, if they don't play hard. And damn if they don't fight. And damn if they don't play smart. Uh, the, the Panthers are up-and-coming team. Uh, I think we saw earlier the Panthers, the Bucks had them down and out, and they came back on them. Uh, this is a dangerous game. To me, this game will signify the mentality of the Bucks. Everybody's about to talk about character. Okay, we'll see what kind of character we have. You know, We'll see next week what kind of character we have. He got, the, he got that fair brand. Character's a big thing. He always talks about character of his team. I'm looking to see what kind of character the coaching staff has this week. Not so much the players, the coaching staff. That was a pathetic game plan on both sides of the ball. Against the I don't know why Todd Bowles decided to play a zone defense against Noodle Arm Drew Brees. That was begging for him to complete passes. His cornerbacks are man coverage guys, press coverage guys. They're not zone guys. I don't know why Bowles did that, but he did. And, and the results, you know, we all saw the results. I'm looking at the character of what I refer to as the biggest and brightest. You know, Aaron's has the biggest coaching staff in the league. And he, you know, talks about these guys could be head coaches in the league. Let's see what kind of character these guys have, because that was a very pathetic display of coaching character they had Sunday, just as much as the pathetic nature of the play on the field. I'm fascinated, and I, I share your concerns. I actually don't like the Bucks this week, and I, I'm very concerned about the game. You're right. It'll be interesting to see if they bounce back. Always a pleasure, my brother. Be well. We'll talk soon. Hey, Jeff, thanks again. I appreciate it. Have a good one. All right, take care. Lita Kemper, JoeBucksFan.com, the website. Lots of chatter over there right now. Tom, I didn't even address the defensive side of the ball. I'm glad he noted it at the end. 
you know, listen, I know you don't love Dean, but here's where I like Dean. In press man, not in zone. He can't play zone. Also, by the way, teams are picking us apart by isolating Devin White in pass coverage, and he can't cover. Now, he is a beast against the run, and I love him getting after the passer, but he can't cover. We got to stop with the zone. We get picked apart in the zone all the time. Yeah, that's the lesson that should have been learned after uh, Denver's Denver two-minute drive at the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not so sure Dean can cover in man. I think Dean is good at jumping the first move and the first route because we're blitzing so often. But to your point, if you're playing complementary football and zone and drop-back zone is, is the game, then you can't jump the first thing. you got to just sit back It's there. also just not what he does. He's a physical guy. I, I think he can play well in man. Uh, not I'm not telling you he's Dion. I'm, I'm just saying he can play in that. I was impressed against the Raiders with his speed to be able to track a ball if he does get burned. Yeah. Uh, his closing speed's good. His makeup speed is pretty good. But there's a reason that every quarterback who takes the field looks after 35. There's a reason they go after him. Well, I listen, when we're in zone, you can go after anybody. I mean, because we don't make plays. The entirety of that defense is rendered useless. No, that game plan was for crap. And and the thing is, too, that the defensive interior didn't look good all week. I mean, the whole week, you know, within six days, you have two games and the same issues crop up twice. It's just the difference is one game was against the Giants and the other was against the Saints. Well, and I'll give you another one. If we're worried about the entirety of this defense, and we should be, they went 13 straight games without giving up a 100-yard rusher. They now have gone back-to-back games one of those against the Giants where they gave up 100 yards. Right. They're showing signs that Vita Vea's absence is devastating. And teams are deciding to go heavy personnel and run the ball, double tights, right at us, which is what I would do because now you lack depth and you lack the stud in the middle and you're going to get worn down. And we start so slow on offense that you can stick to that game plan. You don't have to come out of it because we don't have a lead on you. Right, and it looks like that. it's almost as though you're, you're watching a Major League Baseball club in late July, early August. It looks like the dog days hit them. They don't yeah. look as interested. And and listen, it's a 16-game season, and maybe that's something that they have to learn because they're not winners, not yet. They're about to be. They're about to have a winning season, this group. Yeah. But it's been a long time since they've won and gone to the playoffs for a winning record. Most of these guys haven't been here, even for the 9-7 and seven season that Jameis had a few years back. So they've got to learn to fight through that a little bit. they got to learn that you know, you're still in this. You still have a chance to win your division if New Orleans slips up a couple of times and if they play a couple of bad weather games. I mean, yeah, they, they can drop 13 points with the best of them with Drew Brees' arm if there's a heavy they wind going against them for two Chicago. quarters. Chicago. I mean, yes. Right. So you're still in it. But I, I did find it interesting that, that that zeal wasn't there the entire week. I, I find that unconscionable. You cannot come into a home Sunday night football game with the country watching and a chance to take over sole possession of first place and avenge a loss against the Saints and be flat. Right. It can't happen. It talked about it in the first segment that advanced the discussion, you know, that's an echo chamber. But the one thing that I will say that sticks and you could be a broken record about, if you're going to look like crap against the Giants, you better look good against the Saints. Yeah. Because yeah. it's totally understandable. Then at it's that a point. look ahead. Now it's a problem. Now it's a trend. Right. It's a short week look ahead, too. Conserve yeah. your energy. I sure. get it. I yeah. fully get it. But then you look like that. Yeah. Now it's a growing concern because it's trending in the wrong direction on both sides of the football. Wrap up the Skoda Bucks in a moment. Shopping for a used F-150, a car, or an SUV? Find Tampa's biggest and best used inventory at Bill Curry Ford, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and see the nationwide lifetime warranty on pre-owned vehicles. Now, here's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang.
know if you read this. Tampa Bay ranks dead last in football outsiders variance metric, which is an indication that nobody knows which Buccaneers team will show up. They're all over the map. They're either really, really good, as in the best team in the league on a given Sunday, or just doesn't show up at all and awful. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. Or there is a tale of two halves. We've seen that with the offense this season. And they'll trade halves. I know the talk down there this week is they're trying to make sense of how is it that they play three primetime games and they look like ass in each of the three. That's more than a fluke at this point. That's got to be a trend. Yeah, and I, I, you know, the weirdest thing about it is in in if you're just looking at total DVOA and you look at all those football outsider rankings, the Bucks are ranked as one of the five best teams in football. So even though they've had these moments, the advanced metrics all point to them as being one of the best teams in football. The Saints are ranked higher than them right now, and a couple other teams are right there with them. Kansas City and Pittsburgh uh, are the other two, but the Bucks are there. And, uh, you know, they're, they're ahead of Baltimore, Green Bay, Indianapolis, Seattle, you name it. So the interesting thing about this weekend to me is it clearly dawned on Sean Payton. They got loose as a team because there was no preseason, but he found a way to match up against them. It, it was alarming to me that he was willing to divulge to Michelle Tafoya as he's laughing all the way to the locker room, I guess, saying, I can't believe they played so much off coverage. I can't believe they played so oh, much zone, zone against zone, us. Zone, zone, zone. He was laughing. So that's embarrassing. But also I would think some adjustments were made beyond the fact that Vita is hurt. You've seen them once. It's been on film. you got a couple of months' worth of film with Bowles and, and all the guys and what they can do. Well, this is round two for Joe Brady to see what the Carolina offense does against the Bucs. And if you remember the way they finished that oh, game. Oh, they finished strong. was Because that was a curb stomping. In oh, the first, it was on the cusp of being an outlandish beatdown. That first half was unbelievably <laughs> dominant <laughs> for the Bucs. Yeah. So, okay, Joe Brady round two, film on these players. You've seen that you might be able to run the ball. They're certainly going to test that, we would think, early on. And you're going to try to isolate in coverage. You're trying to get uh, Devin White in some space and see if you can get uh, a matchup that's favorable. But is there something else to it? Is there more to it that round two against the blitzing attack of Todd Bowles, it's well, get the Todd ball out of your hand quickly, do all these other things because he can't adjust to it. That's what I'm looking for. I'm a little nervous about that. I think the offense is going to say, all right, guys, I know what we're trying to do. Let's work on that in practice, and let's game plan our base plays of what we all, what we do execute. Well, the weakness for Carolina is the defense, so you're exactly right. I mean, I would think the, the same things they took advantage of before they would have an opportunity to do here. The, the personnel is not that much better for, for Carolina, although they got a great rookie safety. But, but you know, again, you, you have opportunities there. Um, defensively is where I am concerned, and that's been my growing concern for the last two weeks. It, it it appears to be a bit of a trend. If we get into a third straight week and two of the three teams that will light you up on offense end up being average to substandard teams like the Giants and Kansas City Carolina this weekend, if that were to happen, oh, yeah, we got real grave concerns at this point because that would speak to league-wide adjustments after watching film and understanding that uh, you, you now can exploit Tampa Bay in certain ways. I just don't understand. Was, was Bowles shook by what Daniel Jones did to him, and that's why he called off coverage this past weekend. I I don't get that because I mean you can go all the way back. I mean Breeze and Peyton have been there for freaking ever. Right. I remember Greg Schiano one week calling for a three man rush the entire game, and the Bucks went up to a huge lead early. Yeah. And then the the Saints came all the way back, and it's like, well, what do you think is going to happen? It's like third and sixteen, he drops eight. Great. You're going to get no pressure on that dude, he's and gonna he's going to wait for somebody to come open. Apart. Yeah. Yeah. No, they made it really easy. I don't want to take credit away. I frequently knock Drew Brees at this stage of his career. So I don't want to take credit away from him. 
But those were the easiest throws in the world to make. He made a couple good, uh, two really good throws outside of 15 yards that were really nice. But other than that, everything was underneath, which is what they want to do anyhow. Right. I can't believe they allowed for that. Well, and the indicator early in the game where I thought it was going to be a wind game, upwind, you know, into the wind and downwind, was Pinion's punts. They were yeah, ass. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, it must be gusting up there. And we had some friends in the stands, and I texted, and they said, eh, three out of ten in terms of Wasn't intensity. Wasn't bad. He but just thought, had a bad day. Maybe when you get it up above the goalpost, it, it kicks in, and maybe that's something that will affect deeper throws. Didn't matter. Second quarter, they're moving the ball, and no, Brady can't do didn't, diddly. Didn't I mean, make any difference. No, uh, very, that's very, an annoying <laughs> game. <laughs> because that's the game, if you're a, a diehard buck, that's the game when the bucks are supposed to take the next step. Right, and it's it's you've arrived. That's what that game was all about. You're righting the wrong from week one, and you're asserting yourself as the class of the NFC with Green Bay falling off a little bit, and you've righted yourself saying the Saints, Drew Brees will get him there, but he's not the class of the NFC. Now you're back down a couple of pegs. Yeah, and I should note, I mentioned it a moment ago, but the player I'm alluding to that has really come on for Carolina, we'll see if he plays great in this game, Jeremy Chin is the player that has that mm -hmm. linebacker size at safety, and he is playing uh, as well as any other, and we've got our own stud at the same position. Guess what that means? The receivers need to be the ones who make the difference. Uh-oh. Yeah, well, I mean, Mike Evans... You know, I, I sound like the guy that's the, the the worst. Mike Evans is not a factor for the pucks these days. You sound like somebody who has him in fantasy and is pissed off at his lack of production. Know, but it's not hard. You go week to week and you see a catch, two catches. No, You know, it's not like this. Listen, Mike Evans in his career has been a transcendently good player. He has been nothing short of average at best this season. Not all of that is his fault. When you're hurt, you're hurt. When you're going through the transition that Tampa Bay is going through with a new uh, quarterback, new personnel, that's also something that takes time. I'm aware of that, and I and I, you know, I certainly note that each time I'm critical. I'm just saying I don't go into games anymore expecting Mike Evans to make the difference because he doesn't ever, ever. That's a fair assumption. Um, I, I also think that Brady doesn't know the offense yet. And and I know that they've, you know, added wrinkles from his New England days. And this is before we even get into the Antonio Brown discussion, which is what makes it all the more. It's just so complex when it could be a little bit more simple at this point sure. of the year. But there has been a consistent trend of Brady not seeing wide open receivers, shortish routes on the backside of the formation. There's a predetermined read where he's going to Scotty or Gronk. You see this a lot. Like the touchdown pass to Gronk against the Packers, which is a beauty to the left side of the end zone, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's a tight window throw, and it shows you that Gronk is back, right? If you look at the backside of that play, there's an in-breaking route. It's why the hell open. You can moonwalk your way into the end zone. I don't think he sees the Arians' offense and the principles the way that he's going to next year, but that is the thing that universally happens across the board. If you're a young pup like Peyton Manning or Ben Roethlisberger, or if you're a mid-level guy like Jameis in the middle of his career, if you're Carson Palmer in Arizona in year one, none of these guys see the offense the way it needs to be seen in year one and Brady's had some growing pains there throw Antonio Brown into the mix and you got yourself a, a whole stew of mess right and that is a separate concern not Antonio Brown which is a concern that we've already addressed but the the other aspects of what you just said is a separate concern from the uh, effectiveness of, of Mike Evans because he's just not open 
and and that's something that has continued to bother me. Now there is the play, and and Lee referenced it because it's the one that Jeremiah pointed out on Twitter. By the way, that was countered by somebody else who noted that there would have been a safety floating, but and you can't see him in that shot. But sure. the, the the point about that is this. Most of the time, and this is why I thought it was weird for Arians to bring it up, most of the time when you go back and you look, he said that Evans was open a lot, a ton in that game. No, he wasn't. No, he was not. That's a lie. If you want to say he was open in the fourth quarter when we're down by 30, right. maybe you're right. I, I stopped watching at that point. No, but he's <laughs> he's not open against the Giants. I can promise you that. And they he's won, not open that, against that game the plan, That game plan was work on the Antonio Brown stuff with Mickens and then force feed it to Mike. Uh, if you recall, Brady had to come off of the Mike Reed three or four times and he took a sack for it. Mm -hmm. Or he felt pressure where there wasn't any. Right. That's the one thing that I've seen a couple times this week where I go, ooh, he's feeling pressure where there is none. What's up with that? Well, this past week, I understand it, though. He got lit up and it started right from the jump street. And, you know, when you don't have Marpet, you're losing a Pro Bowl guard and and they got pressure from the edges and up the middle. So I... I kind of understood that. But he got the Giants, in the face on his first throw. Clearly in the Giants game, they wanted to get Mike more involved. He, he still draws a flag here or there because somebody tugged. I mean, when He's he, a big dude. He's also really good off the line. That first move is, that's the underrated part of his game for his body type. You don't think he can do that. Yeah, but he can. But yeah. his first move, he can create separation. But they're bracketing him all night. So what the hell are you supposed to do? Well, the Giants were, but the, you know, the Saints didn't really have right. to do I'm that. Talking about the Giants yeah, specifically. The Saints didn't do that. They yeah. just said Lattimore will do what he does. Which is just own a man. You know, that... Oh, well, of course he did. You know, of course they go to the fade there. Which... Tom. Tom. You can't run that You know what happens between those two, first of all. Yeah. I. The fade never works with that guy anyway. Well, it has some this year in the red zone a couple times. It's back shoulders. Back shoulders, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't like the play call to begin with. Oh, you... Run it up. If you can't get a yard four straight times, then screw you. They didn't feel like they could with Marpet out. Your old ass. I mean, he's st- he wants to do the fourth and a yard and a half quarterback sneak thing. Go ahead. They should have done it Go twice. Ahead. He would have scored. It was the first would- touchdown of the year. Yeah, should have done it twice. Should have done it twice. Good work out of you, Tom. Our thanks to Lee Kemper, JoeBucksFan.com. And, of course, our thanks to all of you as well as Sean Sullivan, Bill Curry Ford. We appreciate you guys listening here on the Scuttle Bucks. Go Bucks. Let's hope we're talking about uh, this team in a more – upbeat manner next week we'll see right two fingers to my eyes two fingers back to you tampa bay we're watching closely next time let's go to bucks next week be with us take care hey.